The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. The Bible says, And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, uh, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Of course, this is the story of Hagar. If you'll read the entire chapter, chapter 16, you'll see exactly what is taking place. Sarah could not have a child. And so after a while, by and by, this began to bother her. And so she sent her handmaiden, Hagar, to be with Abraham. Abraham, her husband. And Abraham had, I believe, an unbiblical relationship with Hagar, and she had a child. The child's name was Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael is described, look at verse 12. The Bible says he will be a wild man. Uh, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now, isn't that true? The offspring of Ishmael has always been a thorn in that which is Israel's side. Uh, it's been a very dangerous journey down through the years, but yet uh, they dwell in the same land of Israel. I want to take a phrase tonight, if I may, as Hagar said, as she was recognizing uh, the Lord. And she said, describing the Lord, she said, Thou God seest me. And I want to preach tonight on God sees all. God sees all. I see that in our present uh, generation, uh, it seems like that man is more concerned about what man thinks than man is concerned about what God thinks. I want to say something tonight, nice and bold, so you can hear it. Uh, you ought to be more concerned always with what God thinks rather than what man thinks. Man would change his mind from generation to generation. Uh, you'll see that because man changes his mind from generation to generation, you'll see that the politic field will change. Uh, you'll see that nations change. You'll see that rules and laws and those things that come down from various political positions change. But can I tell you tonight, the Bible says, as God speaks, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. And so I want us to understand tonight that we have a living God, not a dead God. We have a vocal God, not a silent God. The problem is not with God tonight. The problem is with God's kids tonight. That's what the problem is. Uh, the problem is not that you don't believe right. It's that you don't voice what you believe that is right. And I think it's about time that in our non uh, country, in our nation, if you will, that was discovered and uh, put forth as a, and none other than as a Christian nation, you ought not to be ashamed the way that God has uh, given us the liberties. Oh, you'd have to be a fool not to realize that this is a Christian nation. Uh, any place you visit, anywhere, even in the government buildings in Washington, D.C., uh, some of them built during the time of Washington and Jefferson, you see the Bible everywhere. You cannot enter into the Supreme Court Justice Building uh, where the Supreme Court 
court meets without seeing the Ten Commandments on the backside of the door and Moses staring at them uh, on the wall that faces them whereby they're supposed to make just decisions. You cannot erase God from our society, though you may erase God from your own heart. Now may I say tonight, uh, here we ought to be like Hagar. We ought to say like Hagar, thou God seest me, thou God seest me. We ought to pay very close attention to God seeing us. God sees you in many areas tonight. I want to point out three I think that's imperative that we consider. Thou God seest me in all my thinking. In all of my thinking. Uh, Sarah had a problem. Sarah could not have a child. So Sarah decided that she would fix her problem her own way. Now I want to tell you something. She had wrong thinking. Uh, here's a young person says, I believe in having that which is a premarital affair, sex outside of the bonds of marriage. And can I tell you, if that is your thinking, you have wrong thinking. You say, my friends are doing it. Then your friends have wrong thinking. Uh, you say, but it's popular on the TV set. Then you're watching the wrong type of television viewing on the TV set. Uh, if God says it's wrong, it doesn't matter how popular something is, and it doesn't matter who's doing it. God said, be holy even as I am holy, and God expects us to perform that very way. Uh, the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse 17, the Bible says, but he, uh, knowing their thoughts, listen to it now, said unto them, uh, every kingdom is divided it says against itself is brought to desolation and the house divided against a house falleth all right now wait a minute so when division comes in the house can I tell you the house begins to crumble well how is it in our day and time that we do not have division in the house if everybody would get on board and saying God you're right and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks God be true and every man a liar uh, can I tell you the household would have a different view of things young people I love you tonight but God's not interested in your opinion. God is interested only in what is true. When you line up with God, uh, you'll get blessings. When you don't line up with God, you'll get blisters. Uh, some people uh, wonder, how come God is not blessing me? It might be because you're trying to take God and bring him down to you. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to take you and bring you up to God. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 12, the Bible says, uh, therefore Sarah laughed within her Self saying, uh, after uh, I am waxed old and uh, have pleasure, uh, my Lord uh, being, now watch this, she said, my Lord being so old also, talking about her husband, small L there. The Bible says in verse 15, uh, the book of Genesis chapter 18, and Sarah denied saying, I laugh not, uh, for she was afraid. And she said, nay, he says, but uh, thou uh, didst laugh. He said, nay, you did laugh. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's Sarah, uh, well stricken in age and is visited by an angel of God. And God said, God is going to open your wound. God is going to give you children. And Sarah said, don't you know I'm old? Don't you know my husband is old? And uh, the angel said, God's going to uh, give you children. And the Bible says that, uh, that Sarah laughed inside. Now, uh, thou God knowest thee. Thou God seest thee. God knows everything about us. A person can laugh God the scorn, but God sees their thoughts. Right. 
Uh, Sarah may have said, uh, now wait a minute, uh, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. And he said, uh, nay. He said, but thou didst laugh. See, God saw the laugh that was on the inside of Sarah. And can I say this tonight? Uh, uh, thou God seest me in my thinking. In my thinking. There was a pastor many years ago by the name of Beasley. Uh, Beasley was preaching a revival service. And as he was preaching a revival service, he looked over at the pianist and he judged her. Now, I don't think the lady was dressing in modest or anything like that, but he judged her. And he went to the pastor and he said, that lady that's playing the piano, and he judged her. Oh, that night he was getting ready to preach and getting ready to enter into the pulpit. And before he entered into the pulpit, the Holy Spirit of God said this, if you want the fresh breath of God to fall in the service tonight, you need to apologize to that woman. Now, by the way, that woman knew nothing about it. He didn't say nothing to her. He didn't criticize her to anybody except said a few words about her uh, to the pastor. But God said this, God said, if you don't make that right, you're not going to have revival in this place. See, revival is not something that a man conquers up. Revival is when every individual decides they want to get thoroughly right with God. Amen. Don't forget when there's an aching in the camp, God judges sometimes the whole camp. I think because we have unsurrendered Christians that sit underneath the pitch of preachers' voices across America because they're not right with God. They never see a church revival. Why? Because of the fact uh, God is the one that sees our very thinking. He went to the woman and said, I'm sorry, I need to apologize to you. No doubt you're a wonderful woman. I've misjudged you. The pastor said you're a wonderful woman, and I apologize to you for my ill thinking about you. Now, by the way, when he did that, God gave him liberty. You say, why? He didn't have to do that. She knew nothing about it. But if the Holy Ghost tells you to make something right between you and another person, it doesn't matter if the other person uh, knows anything about it or not. That's between you and God. I think sometimes, again, may I restate, I think that sometimes, again, as long as everything is right outwardly here, uh, we pay little attention to what is going on in here. And I'm saying tonight, on the authority of old-fashioned preaching, you better start paying more attention to that which is going on inside of here because if this doesn't get right, there's a far cry that this will ever get right. I'm saying, uh, she said this, Thou God seest me. Uh, I think that we can say that in our thinking statement number two. Thou God seest me in our imagining. Imagining. Did you ever notice that there's a, there's a similarity between the word image, imagine, and imagining? Uh, sometimes we get an image of somebody in her head. And then we begin to imagine. And then, if you would please, that leads to a state of imagination that we see. You see, um, you, you, you think you heard somebody over speaking in a crowd and they were talking bad about you. And so now every time you see them, you get an image. That must be what they're like. They must not like me. And so you have an image fixed inside of your mind that that person is against you. And then that image turns into imagining things. Every time they get with somebody else and you see them getting with somebody else, you begin to imagine it's about you. It must be about you. 
And then that imagining turns into an imagination that controls you. May I say the devil wants to trick your mind. The devil wants to make you think that nobody's for you, everybody hates you, and he wants to give you a can of worms. The devil wants you to think that, well, don't go to that church because that church is not loving and that church is not kind and that church doesn't care about people. Uh, the devil has you hoodwinked. It'd be, it'd be a good thing tonight if you just get with God and say, God, thou God seest me. Thou God seest me. God work in my heart. Uh, someone said first you create the image in your mind and then you begin to imagine the wrong thing and before you know it your imagination begins to control your very being the Bible says about imaginations 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. You mean to tell me when you start imagining things that it's exalting itself against that which is the mighty power of God? Well, you tell me. If you're imagining something and you're not sure about it, but you're letting the imagination overtake your thought life, are you replacing the power of God? Are you replacing the mighty hand of God? You are. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, let me read it in its entirety. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. It says, in bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Oh, oh now I've got a question. So your thoughts that you're having when these imaginations take place, number one, is that to the glory of God? Could you say, uh, what I'm thinking right now it's helping me to get closer to God. Or would you say what you're thinking is drawing you further away from God? Take the test by putting it through Galatians 5. Is it fleshly or is it spiritual? Uh, is it going to help you to think better of someone else? Or is it going to help you to think worse of someone else? Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 12, the Bible says, And he said unto me, Son of man, has thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Now, so God is talking to Ezekiel and he says, you know those Israelites? Have you really seen what they do in the dark? He says, every man in his chambers, listen to it now, every man in the chambers of his imaginary. Yeah. You know, a person can sit in a room and imagine things that are not real. And before you know it, they live in a fantasy world. Before you know it, they live in a non-real existing world. I know people that are scared to death. I told you about Sue Ray. She's in heaven now. Sue Ray, when I pastored a church in Tennessee, uh, uh, and he, uh, Brother Kevin knows who I'm talking about, and uh, perhaps Brother Lofton knows who I'm talking about, but Sue Ray had this thing in her head that her husband was after her. I mean, it was real to her. I'm telling you, it was real to her. Her imagination was overtaking her thought life, was controlling her very being. So sometimes she would call me up at 1 o'clock in the morning, and she would say, Pastor, come quick. He's going to kill me. I said, Sue, Ray, where is he? She would say ridiculous things like he's underneath the kitchen sink. The man weighed over 300 pounds. He could not fit underneath the kitchen sink. 
But to her, her imagination was real. She really believed it. Sometimes she'd be driving down the road and uh, she would hurry to go into a person's house and she would say, Pastor, he's following me. Didn't even live in the same city, did not even live in the same state, was scared to death of her. Always when she would call, I did the right thing. Always, always did the right thing. I, as a pastor then, as a pastor now, I want to help the dear people that God has given me to shepherd. And so always I did the right thing. I called a deacon. <laughs> and I said, Sue Ray called me at 1 o'clock in the morning. You're on the list. It's your turn. I'll be by in a few minutes. I'll pick you up. We're going to go over and we're going to visit Sue and we're going to settle her down. And after we settle her down, we'll go out and drink a cup of coffee. It became a ritual. But I want to tell you what happened to Sue. I want to tell you what happened to Sue Ray. Sue Ray all of a sudden showed up for soul winning one day. Now, I'm telling you a true story. She showed up for soul winning one day. I was working down in their Baptist bookshelf. And uh, when I was working down in, 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 the, in the book room uh, that we had, and I was arranging things and had ordered things and put things in and stuff like that. And, uh, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden now, we already had soul winning. I didn't know where to send her, but I know that people in the nursing home never get any visits. So I thought anybody would appreciate her that would uh, be visited by her in the nursing home. I sent her to the nursing home. I thought that's a good place for Sue to go. So Sue Ray went to the nursing home. I'm now working in the bookstore. Uh, hours have gone by. Sue Ray is now coming down the hallway. She's got her dress grabbed and with her right hand, never will forget it, had it pulled up, running straight towards me. And she said, I got one. I got one. I thought maybe she had a ticket. She had one of those before too. <laughs> I had no idea what she had. But I remember settling her down and say, Sue, what did you get? And she said, I was in that nursing home, and she said this woman uh, needed to be saved. And I took the Bible and showed her how to be saved. I got one. She was so excited. I heard the rest of the story later on as I questioned her. I said, tell me about it, if you will. And so she began to tell me about it, and she said, well, she wanted to get saved, and she said, but I knew she wasn't serious. So I told her, if you really want to get saved, get out of that bed. Get down on your knees. She said, but she was paralyzed. <laughs> and she said, I did not know that till later. The lady started to cry, and she said, I truly want to get saved. I'm in my 70s, and I'm going to die. I'm going to burn in hell. I don't want to die and burn in hell, but I can't get on my knees. I can't walk. And Suray said, I didn't know what to do then. She said, because I thought you're all supposed to get on your knees when you want to get saved. She said, this was a new phenomena to me. <laughs> she said, but I did my best, and I showed her how to get saved right there in the bed. She bowed her heart, and she received Christ as Savior. You know, after that, she never called me at 1 o'clock in the morning. You know why? Because her imagination changed. I, I want to submit something to you tonight. If you've got an imagination that's putting weird things inside of your head, maybe what you ought to do is get close to Jesus and fill your life with, uh, to the capacity of just trying to serve God, trying to serve God. Trying, eh, most people have trouble with the imagination. It's all about them anyway. And so if you put somebody else in there other than you, you might get a different thing coming out the other end. 
Ezekiel, God said to him, you come with me, come with me, come with me. I want to show you how wicked the house of Israel is. And he said, let me tell you why they're wicked. It's because they're living in the dark. They're doing things in the dark in the chambers of their imaginary. Listen to it, uh, Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 12, the last part of it that I did not read. He says, for they, it says, the Lord seeth us not. Now listen to what it says here. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. That's what they're saying. Because they're imagining this thing. They said the, the Lord doesn't see us. The Lord's forsaken the earth. You know, uh, somebody that lives in the darkness of the imaginary, all of a sudden they think, boy, God's not answering my prayer. God's not coming through for me. Maybe God's done with me. And can I tell you tonight, on the authority of God's word, God is not done with you. God's got a plan for you. Don't let the devil occupy your mind. Don't let the devil take control of you as a person. You let God help you. There's a fellow by the name of uh, uh, Duncan Campbell. You can read about him if you want. He was a Scottish evangelist, very well known for the Lewis Awakening. In the Hebrides Islands, he had a revival there in the mid-20th century, and it was a great, great revival. Later on, he retired, and he uh, traveled, and he preached in uh, conventions and conferences in South Britain, Ireland, uh, South uh, Africa, and also the United States. He was a great preacher. One day he was traveling and he was getting ready to preach a great revival meeting in Ireland. And uh, all of a sudden it was like the Holy Spirit just shut him down. Holy Spirit said no revival tonight. And as he started to pray and beg God and say, God, why will you not send revival? God, why will you not give me release? God, why will you not let the word of God flow through me? Why will you not do that? He said, I remembered when I was about 12 years of age, there was a man that was selling puppies right down the road from me. And he said, I remember I wanted one of those puppies. And so I stole a puppy. He said, the Holy Spirit was saying that night, you got to make it right. You got to make it right. Well, so he decided he was going to take a trip and he was going to make it right. He found the place where he used to live as a young boy. He went to the neighbor's house. He knocked on the door. The widow woman answered the door and he said, I'm here to pay for a puppy. She said, sir, we haven't sold puppies in over 20 years. My husband's been dead for 20 years. And he said, ma'am, you don't understand. That puppy's been dead for close to 20 years too, but it's still yapping in my ear. And until I paid the $5 that puppies are going through today, uh, that the price of them going for today, he said, that puppy's going to continue to yap in my ear every night until I make it right. I wonder how many puppies yap in your ear because you did something you should not have done. I wonder how many puppies yap in your ear because you've been disrespectful to your mom and dad or you've been thinking and saying things behind their back that was very unkind and very unchristian. I wonder how many puppies are yapping in your ear as a college student and now you live in the dormitories and now even though you chose to live in the dormitories you don't like some of the rules and so now you're beginning to bellyache and complain uh, uh, like some old woman that lost her teeth in the wintertime. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder 
how many times uh, we need to make things right, but we don't make things right. He said, ma'am, he said, I need to pay you the $5 because if I don't pay you the $5, what's going to happen? He said, that puppy, though he is dead, he's still going to be yapping in my ear, yapping in my ear, yapping in my ear. You know, one thing that I really enjoyed, stand up if you will, and, uh, and, and kind of hug each other just a little bit, you know, and uh, that's what I saw last week. I saw men that were not right with each other. And man, they were coming up and they were getting together Amen. and they were saying, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry because things are not right. All right, now watch this. I, don't, I, don't, I, I wish that we could be as tender in church with each other as we are business-minded like with each other when it comes to doing business things. I wish that our hearts could be as tender. You know, uh, I said something, hurt your feelings. I'm sorry, shouldn't have said that. But here's what we do. We put on a facade. We got the facade. And, and Kenny, we are religiously right, but we're not righteously right. Look, anybody can come to church and play church, Dr. Bachman. Anybody can. But now, if you're going to enjoy church and let the Holy Spirit work in you and through you, you have to be completely clean. What's that mean? That means shut your mouth. What does that mean? That means apologize to people that you've hurt. What's that mean? That means you treat church family like real family. And if you've hurt somebody, you go to them and you say, look, I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have said that. I know that that bothered you. I'm going to take care of it. By the way, old-time religious revivals uh, started in such like places. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, you know it well. He says, if, that's a conditional clause, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, both of those are plural, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to confess my sins to God. But God says that we're supposed to go to each other when there's faults when there's faults. And as we go to each other, it releases that captivity that we're in when we have faults towards one another and God forgives them and now we can get to God on the throne of grace by prayer. Uh, Genesis chapter 15 verse 20, if anybody should have gotten mad at his brothers and got even with his brothers, it was Joseph. Joseph being forsaken by his brothers, sold to the Midianites. Uh, cast into uh, Potiphar's house, cast into prison later, uh, and then God raised him up. But if anybody should have got maybe bitter towards his brothers, it probably should have been Joseph. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, he says, as for you, ye thought evil against me, talking to his brothers, Joseph is, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So here's my question. Who has hurt you that you've not forgiven? Who has hurt you that threw you into a pit with no water? And you thought you weren't going to survive. Who has hurt you and sold you into bondage? Who has hurt you? Joseph said, wait a minute. They meant it for that which is evil, but God meant it for good. You know, if you would let God have his way, you would be amazed what God could do in you and through you.
Peter Cartwright. Peter Cartwright was a great preacher. And as Peter Cartwright was a great preacher, he was a circuit riding preacher. That means that he rode on a, on a, uh, in a carriage or he rode on a horse. And uh, one day he was preaching, a great meeting uh, took place and there was a nervous fellow that was in the house. And uh, he came up and he handed him a piece of paper. And the piece of paper, as Cartwright read it, it said this, the governor is in the congregation. He wadded it up, he put it in his pocket. One long after that, another older lady came up, handed him a piece of paper, and the piece of paper read this, the governor is in the meeting tonight. He wadded it up and put it in his pocket. After that, a little while later, an usher came forward, handed in a piece of paper, and the piece of paper read this, the governor is present, all capital letters, present tonight. He read it, wadded it up, put it in his pocket. Came time for preaching time. He got up behind the pulpit. He said, three people have approached me saying the governor is in the room tonight. And I want you to know, I'm not going to change my preaching for the governor. I'm not preaching for the governor tonight. I'm preaching for the almighty God. And if the governor has any sense, he'll listen to what I'm saying. And then he reared back and he preached the Bible. After the meeting that night, the governor requested a private consultation with him. The governor walked into his room for a private talk, and he said, I just want to shake your hand tonight. He said, most people tremble when I walk into the room, but you are only going to tremble at one tonight, and that's the Almighty. So tonight, I want to say thank you for preaching about the Almighty. I think that people fear the faces of others because they're not as close to God as what they ought to be. Uh, it amazes me how we can shift from the grace of God to sin. And we don't take God at face value. I tell you, there's something about having the fear of God that causes a person to want to be close to him. It amazes me. Noah uh, found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but after the flood was over, he got drunk. It blows my mind. When I think about David, uh, David, who said this, as the heart panteth after the water brook, uh, so does my heart panteth after thee, O God. And then he turned around and he committed adultery with Bathsheba. There was Abraham. Abraham stepped out in faith to follow God, but he didn't know where. Uh, a, a great act. But when later on, he did some foolish things in his life. You say, why, preacher? Why are you saying that? I'm saying that to say this, that we need to understand that uh, uh, God knows all of our thinking. God knows all of our imagining. Then lastly, God knows all of our doings. Uh, we ought to ask that question tonight, and that is this. Uh, Thou God seest me and all my doings. We ought to be good to each other because each other are a child of God. Why should you have to be rude to somebody? Why should you have to decide that the grace of God is good for one day and yet the grace of God is not good for another day? It doesn't make any sense. We ought to say, Thou God seest me in all my thinking. Thou God seest me in all my imagining. Uh, thou God seest me in all of my doings. There was a man sitting in a wheelchair. He had been eaten up by some uh, sexually transmitted disease. And he uh, told the young person, he said, Don't do it. He said, You stay pure unto marriage. Don't you do it. I'm going to die in this wheelchair. 
Oh, it became real to him, didn't it? Yeah, he understood thou God seest me. James chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boast of great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. You ever see somebody that tries to start something? Not talking godly. I'm talking fleshly. I'm not talking, if you would please, Christ honoring. I'm talking rumorish. I'm talking uh, uh, Facebook, or uh, we can call it face trash, or whatever you want to do. But uh, but did you, you ever see somebody that does something they should not do? And can I tell you, it always starts with just a little fire, a little fire. The book of Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3, the Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good, are beholding the evil and the good. So why can't we just decide to do the good? I mean, he notices our doings. Why can't we go up to somebody and say, Look, you sacrificed and you did a good job today. God bless you and I love you. Well, what's wrong with doing that? You say, well, you know, people are supposed to serve God. That's what they're supposed to do. Everybody needs a pat on the back sometime. Brother Ginger, I think 110 today, Doc, right? 110 today. Amazing. Uh, where's Dale? Probably sitting beside his bride. Where's his bride? Where's Dale? Dale is not sitting beside his bride. Where's Dale? Oh, he's in security. Well, God bless you, Dale. But over 200, that's amazing to me. There are buses, lots, there are buses that told me, oh, preacher, we've been averaging 25, but today we had over 40, or today we had over 50. Uh, today I had X amount of driving people that committed to come, and I watched them as they walked into the auditorium. Now, wait a minute. Thou God seest me. Thou God seest me. Why can't we just do good? Here's what it says, and I'm done. Last verse I'll read. Job chapter 34 and verse 24, the Bible says, He shall break in pieces mighty men without number and set others in their stead. See, God is the one that's in charge. God is the one, if you would please, that will exalt. God is the one that will put down. Well, then why not? If we know that God is in charge, why don't we just decide, I'm going to think the right things, I'm going to imagine the right things, and I'm going to do the right things. Why? Because thou God seest me. That's why. Because thou God seest me. Thou God seest me. Uh, by the way, he sees you uh, uh, when uh, you're here at church and, and when you're listening to preaching. And he sees you when you go to the altar. And he sees you when you get in the car and you bicker with your wife and you bicker with your husband. And, and you just won't let it die. And then he sees you when you go home and your kids hear you bickering in the living room. And, and you just won't let it die. You got to prove your point. And your point is hurting your marriage. But you're still going to try and prove your point. Now, can I say, thou God seest me. Thou God seest me. <laughs> I, I smile at a lot of kids and adults too, but uh, uh, Brother Kramer, send me those two young kids. Bring, bring them here. Watch this if you will watch. Right? When I see little kids in the hallway, here's what I do. I see them got a tie on, look, show, oh, you look good. Man, I like that. Now, by the way, that's not an unusual thing. I, I like for him to go home and say, hey, you know what? The preacher talked about my tie. You know, the preacher, you know, he shook my hand. Oh, that's a pretty dress. Did you pick that dress out? You got something on your cheek. Did you know that? What's that on your cheek? 
a butterfly. Did you get that today? Wow, it looks good on your cheek. I'm so proud of you. Did you sit still as they painted it? Oh, that's so good. Did mom and daddy like that butterfly? Well, that's because they're smart people. That's good. Now, you know, uh, thank you, B.C. You know children need attention? You know that? You know, in a church service, you can go up, uh, all three of these girls are from uh, different places in her Bible college. It'd be nice for somebody to say, I'm glad you're here. I am. I'm glad you didn't go to a Mormon college. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I pray for your mom. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I heard you sing the other day. You got yourself a whopping good voice. Yes, that is good. We're going to have you sing in church one day. Just sing a solo. And we're just going to sit there and just, really, that came out of her. You know that people need that type of attention. They do. Brother Lapp is crazy. Brother Lapp is driving a truck right now. One day he'll pastor again. But right now, God's allowed him to be in our church. And I love Brother Lapp. And uh, he and I have been dear friends now for years. And his wife is so sweet to me. She gave me a, 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 she gave me a, a, a bag, a brown bag. You don't see brown bags much anymore. She gave me a brown bag of apples the other night. Man, I took those things home. Woo! I chopped them up. Apples are not good without salt. Shame on you if you eat an apple without salt. But I took those apples home and I chopped them up. I sat beside my chair. It was an ice cream night in my house. No. You say, why not? Already ate all that. So I had to find something healthy. And so I, I remember she gave me apples and I'd come in and I was just so hungry. You know, men, we get real hunger pains. We do. Because we're men. We're men. We're always growing muscles that just don't look like it. So I took those apples and I chopped those apples up and I sat there in my lazy boy recliner rocking chair and I took that knife and I said, hmm, hmm. I stabbed that one right there and ate it right there, chewed that baby up. Ooh, it was good. See, what's that got to do with the sermon? God's goodness. God's goodness. God sent Kenny to her church. Water, uh, a water burger nut. God's goodness. God sent Brother Adams to our church. Written over a thousand gospel songs. Oftentimes I'll be preaching and he'll be writing a poem about my message. What is that preacher? God's goodness. I remember when I came and, uh, and I asked the, uh, the deacons, I said, you know, I've got some questions. We, remember, we met in your house, Brother Cavanaugh, uh, when I uh, was being questioned to become the pastor here. And we met in his house, and they asked me a bunch of questions. Brother May asked me a bunch of questions, and I answered the questions. And so then I had some questions, and I asked them some questions. And around that table, your table right there in the living room, uh, we decided what the will of the Lord was and, uh, and pressed forward from there. But wait a minute, uh, precious memories. Precious memories. We have sat in this room, Doc, we sat in this room. I remember when the carpet in here was different than it is now. And I remember us tearing up the carpet, and some of you crazy people said, I want a slither of that to keep. 
and we get we cut you up a little piece and gave it to you. I don't know what you did with it, but you put it somewhere. And and then we had people sign their names all in here that was members of the church that was sacrificing so we could have this nice looking auditorium. And and they signed their names here. I know when I step in certain places, oh I know I, I know I know whose name is there. And I remember that name and I remember right all here in front of the pulpit and uh, over in this area here. And so and oh and, and can I tell you uh, there's been some sacrifices there's been some sacrifices we've had people that's done wrong in our church and we've cried we've had people that's done right in our church and we rejoiced we've had people that sung solos that touched their hearts we've had other people that uh, sang solos and it wanted to touch her feet and we wanted to leave <laughs> but we've been through the ups and the downs we watch some of you kids get saved and you're coming from households and mama don't love you. You very seldom ever see your daddy. And yet you're trying to live for Jesus. And uh, we pray with you. We encourage you. We try and walk beside you. We love you deeper perhaps than what you understand. But can I say, thou God seest me. Thou God seest you. See, God's there when everybody else walks out. He walks in. But please, let him have preeminence in your thinking let him have preeminence in your imaginary I, I, I imagine things I really do I do I just do I imagine one day the church house would be full I just imagine I, I one day I imagined that, that one day I'd, I'd had the privilege to preach of 15,000 people been there and done that but it all started with me just saying God I'd really like to do that one day I like to see a bunch of people get saved in one service, been there, done that. Okay, uh, it all started in my mind. Say, God, I'd like to see this one day. I'd like to imagine this could be happening. Oh, God, would you do it, please? Would you do it in my lifetime? Would you do it? I'd like to see it happen. Would you do that? But it all start. Uh, that's better than imagining the wrong things. And then doing. Just go about doing good. Father, help us tonight, please. Help us. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.